You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 84 of Tax Talks. This is Heidi Robson. And thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. There's a lot of information on a next-year certificate, but what does it actually tell you? Melanie Dunn, the Head of Technical Services at Acurium, kindly agreed to walk you through a next-year certificate. Before the extra start, Melanie already made some helpful comments about deductibility of expenses, which I wanted to share with you. So we start with those comments made off the record and then lead into the actual interview. Here's Melanie. So, you know, you can deduct expenses to the extent they're incurred in producing assessable income. And where you have a sort of a whole year based expense, like an accounting fee or a general expense, lots of software will typically just use one minus the tax exempt percentage, which is this one, because that represents the accessible proportion of the fund over the year. And that's absolutely fine. Pretty similar to the tax ruling 9317 approach, which is assessable income out of total income, which is looking at income, not liabilities. Although that includes the contributions and rollovers, which actually makes it a bit bit higher. So a better result than using one minus the actuarial percentage where you have those transactions. But I think a lot of the software just defaults to that. And the main message is that where you have deemed periods now, that is no longer going to be fair and reasonable because our result will exclude all those periods where you were solely producing exempt income and therefore would have contributed to the fund expense not being deductible. So it's going to overstate fair and reasonable deductibility. And oh, really? so instead of using this... Yes, yeah, so in this now case, use... you mean the um, ECPI percentage? Yeah, or, or the one non... minus that. Yeah, yeah, one minus the ECPI So where you percentage. have... So, so this one would have been is fine because there's no deemed periods in this fund. But if a fund has deemed periods, which means our result will have excluded those periods... It no longer represents the whole financial year in terms of being out of the deductibility, and so it's, it won't won't be appropriate anymore. I see. And you actually need to use the tax ruling ninety three seventeen formula. You can use something else, but that that would be another appropriate approach, which is assessable income out of total income. So actually, based on the actual income of the year, not not just a proportion based on the liabilities. I see. So if a fund is fully in retirement phase for the entire year, then you can use the percentage one minus the ECPI percentage. Uh, if, it's, if it's proportionate method over the entire year. So if it's fully in retirement phase, you can't deduct anything because you didn't have any accessible income. If it's proportionate method, oh, yes, so course. if it's accumulation and pension over the entire year, so there wasn't a day where you were solely in retirement phase, then you can just use the actual percentage. If you had periods solely in accumulation, if you had a mix, that's fine. As long as you didn't have a day you were solely in retirement phase, other than if you had disregarded small fund assets. If you had disregarded small fund assets, then our percentage will be right because, again, that'll include everything. But where our percentage doesn't include the whole year, it's excluding chunks because of the deemed segregation, it may not be fair and reasonable to use as a deductibility proportion and you need to use something else using the tax ruling 9317 formula or a modified actuarial percentage where we actually give you the whole year's result would be another appropriate approach. An actuarial certificate is required where a fund is using the proportionate method to claim exempt current pension income and they wish to claim exempt current pension income in the annual return. So claiming ECPI for a fund that is using the proportionate method is optional. You don't have to claim ECPI. 
If you're simply happy to treat your fund's income as assessable, then you don't need an actuarial certificate. If you do want to get an actuarial certificate, then to claim your exempt current pension income, then there's a few key points to look out for. Obviously, the actuary needs to know the dates and amounts of all the transactions that happened during the financial year, so your contributions, pension payments, any withdrawals. We also need to know the details of any pension commencements, pension commutations, TRIS conversions to retirement phase, and in the event that a member passed away, what happened to their monies after that event. And you need that for the exact date. You need the exact date for each transaction because you calculate the daily average. Correct. So the actuarial exempt income proportion is a fraction. It's the numerator is the average value of retirement phase liabilities over the financial year. The denominator is the average value of the total superannuation liabilities. So it's effectively pension divided by total super balance. And when we say average, what we mean there is that the actuaries used a daily weighted average. And that means that the timing of transactions makes an impact on the outcome. So when things happen in the year will impact the actuarial exempt income proportion. When we're looking at obtaining an actuarial certificate, particularly if you're coming via platform, so class BGL or Supermate, you need to make sure that you've entered in all of that detail. So we're not looking for anything with journal entries on 30th of June. We need the events that are entered as the date they actually occurred. There's a couple of other questions you'll also be asked when you apply for your actuarial certificate. We need to know if the fund is eligible to use the segregated method. And this is a new question for the 17, 18 financial years and going forwards. And it relates to whether the fund had disregarded small fund assets. We need to know if the fund is eligible to use the segregated method. So we know whether to look out for any deemed periods during the financial year or not when we're doing our actuarial calculation. Because the actuary's exempt income proportion is based on the whole financial year, excluding any periods of segregated pension assets. So we actually exclude those liabilities from our calculation and the actuarial certificate will apply to all of the other periods in the financial year, the proportionate periods in the year where there were no segregated pension assets. You just need one actuarial certificate and that one result that you obtain will apply to income earned in all of those proportionate periods. If you are coming via platform and you've entered in all your information, when you press the button to apply for your actuarial certificate, all of the information, all of those transactions will pre-fill onto the Acurium actuarial certificate form. In particular, about that disregarded small fund assets question, you need to make sure in class that you have gone to the contribution caps module and entered in the details of any external super balance for each member. This is important so that the system can determine the member's total super balance and answer that question about disregarded small fund assets. Similarly, in BGL, you'll actually be asked the question, does the fund have disregarded small fund assets and is it eligible to use the segregated method in the financial year? We'll also ask whether the fund had a TRIS account and if so, whether that TRIS was a retirement phase TRIS or a non-retirement phase TRIS. Now, this is important from an actuarial certificate perspective because only the retirement phase TRISs will count towards exempt current pension income. So we require all of the information for the financial year with the transactions entered on their date and that information about eligibility for segregation. The exempt income proportion that you get from your actuarial certificate will feed back to your platforms and also alongside that will be the periods in the year to which it applies. So if you have a deemed period in the financial year, 
the actuary certificate will identify not just the exempt income proportion, but the date ranges over which that percentage will apply. When you're thinking about whether you need a certificate, the other side of the coin is when you might not need an actuarial certificate. So if you are using the proportionate method, you don't always need one. If you have low income or perhaps negative income in a financial year, you don't have to claim eCPI if you don't want to. You don't need to get an actuarial certificate. You can just treat all the income as assessable. Similarly, if your fund was solely in non-retirement phase at the start of a financial year and moves entirely into the retirement phase during a financial year, again, you don't need an actuarial certificate. In fact, you cannot get one. For example, if you're solely in accumulation and then at some point in the year, the member perhaps turns 65 and starts an account-based pension and is in retirement phase for the rest of the financial year, then that fund would use the proportionate method in the first half. It's only an accumulation, so it would be entirely accessible. And in the second half of the year would be in retirement phase and be deemed to be segregated and must use the segregated method to claim eCPI. Similarly, with the changes to TRISSES we saw from 1 July 17, you won't need an actuarial certificate if the only accounts in your SMSF are non-retirement phase TRISSES, reserves or accumulation interests in the fund. Unfortunately, this type of SMSF will be fully taxable. You don't need an actuarial certificate. I mean, you start a pension not on the 1st of July, but later in the year. So you go from 100% accumulation to 100% pension. So mm -hmm. at some stage, let's say on the 1st of January, how does that work in the actuarial certificate? In that case, you don't need one. So previously, say the 16th, 17th year, industry practice was that perhaps you would have got an actuarial certificate, would have counted all the fund's assets. And in that case, say accumulation of half the year, pension for half the year might have been 50% tax exempt. Now for 17, 18, you don't have that choice anymore. Where it's deemed to be segregated, you have to use the segregated method. So second half, 100% tax exempt. And because that first half is solely in accumulation, there's no ECPI to claim there in that proportionate period. There's no retirement phase interest. So you don't need an actuarial certificate. It's just assessable, 100% taxable in that first period. So that means I need to work out anything after the 1st of January is 100% tax exempt. And I basically just have to book it accordingly or how does it work? Yeah, so you create two accounting periods now effectively. You need I to work see. out the income in the first period. That'll be entirely accessible, 0% tax exempt. And in the second period, you'll work out your income for that period and that will be entirely tax-free, 100% tax exempt. So you basically, you do a period update yes. for the 31st of December and yes. then the system works it out. Correct. So the second point we wanted to touch on was deductibility of expenses. So we know an SMSF can claim a deduction on its general expenses to the extent that the income was earned or the expense was incurred on assets producing exempt income. Now, in light of these new deemed segregation rules, we sought some clarification from the tax office. Has anything changed? Now, we know we need to work this out on a fair and reasonable basis. And the good news is that from the tax office's perspective, the rules haven't changed here. We still need to work out a fair and reasonable assessment of how much of our expense related to assets producing exempt or accessible income in this case. So where you have a fund that's solely in non-retirement phase for a financial year, then we know that all of the income produced by the fund will be accessible. So you can claim your expenses as fully deductible. Where you have a fund that's solely in retirement phase for an income year, again, all the assets are producing exempt income, so none of your expenses will be deductible. 
if a fund has both retirement phase and non-retirement phase accounts over the whole year, so we always had an accumulation interest or a reserve or a non-retirement phase TRIS over the whole year, then the expense needs to be apportioned on a fair and reasonable basis. There's a couple of common methods for how this is done. We have the methods provided in Tax Ruling 9317 of assessable income out of total income, but another common industry practice has simply been to use one minus the actuarial exempt income proportion because that exempt income proportion represents the proportion of the fund liabilities over the financial year that were in retirement phase and so would be producing exempt income. One minus that will give us the proportion of fund liabilities that were producing accessible income. So we see that commonly used as well, and that's fine again going forwards. If your fund had assets that were elected to be segregated pension assets, then any expenses that related solely to those assets, again, would be on assets producing exempt income and would not be deductible. Now, we get a bit more complicated if your fund, again, had both periods where there was uh, solely assets in retirement phase, but also periods of the year where it did have an accumulation interest or a non-retirement phase interest. So we had periods where the fund had deemed segregation. This is where we need to be a little more careful going forwards around the deductibility of our expenses. So there are periods here where the assets were solely producing exempt income, and there are other periods in the year where it wasn't solely producing exempt income. So a fair and reasonable approach is required. If we have an expense that we can identify related solely to an asset while it was not deemed to be segregated, then again, we would apportion it and we would perhaps use one minus the actuarial exempt income proportion. If we had an expense that related solely to an asset while it was producing exempt income, so perhaps in a deemed period, then it would not be deductible. But we know in general we don't often attribute an expense solely to a particular period and there are many expenses that may relate to the full financial year. So expenses that related to assets where for a period of time it was unsegregated and other periods where it was deemed to be segregated, again, they need to be apportioned. But in this case, the method of using one minus the actuarial exempt income proportion may no longer be appropriate. Now, previous financial years, our exempt income proportion would apply to a full financial year. But now we're going to have to exclude periods where the fund had deemed segregation. Now, by doing that, our exempt income proportion isn't reflective of whether the fund assets over the whole financial year were producing exempt income because we've excluded those deemed segregated assets. Instead, a more appropriate or another reasonable approach for our fair and reasonable basis of apportioning expenses maybe the use of the tax ruling 9317 method or some other method that reflects the full financial year in terms of the fund's extent to which it produced accessible income. Now, if there is no way to distinguish whether an expense relates to the period or derivation of a particular type of income, accessible or exempt, then it is fair to assume that it serves both and use an apportioning method. If you basically just have one period, we don't have stop and start, mm -hmm. then we can basically just use one minus the actuary percentage. Yes, so if you if you have a, the whole year where you had a mix of pension and accumulation or retirement phase and non-retirement phase over the whole year, uh, so there weren't any deemed periods, then one minus the actuarial percentage may remain a fair and reasonable approach. And when we are 100% in retirement phase and we don't need to worry about the... Um, yeah, same as it is now. It's yeah. all producing exempt income, so those general expenses won't be deductible. Yes. 
So we, we probably were right, but I've never been aware of the issue. I just yeah. So it's software... it's a new it's a new complication, if you like. So certainly for sixteen, seventeen, and prior income years, the approach of using one minus the actual percentage has been an industry accepted, fair and reasonable approach. That or the tax ruling ninety three seventeen formula, if you want to do it by hand, perhaps. But going forward, we have identified that where the fund has deemed segregated periods. So where it does not have disregarded small fund assets and it has periods in the year where your actuarial certificate shows that there were deemed periods where the fund was solely producing exempt income, then that means the actuarial exempt proportion will exclude those periods. And simply using one minus the actuarial percentage will overstate a fair and reasonable deductibility. So it will be important to think a little more carefully. And for those that are using platforms such as class, you may need to override the default if that is using the actuarial percentage to work out a fair and reasonable expense deduction. How does this now play out in an actual certificate? Yeah, so we thought we'd step through what an actuarial certificate contains and, and how you should interpret it. So I've got one of Acurium's actuarial certificates in front of me, but all actuaries, when we're completing our actuarial certificates for you, must comply with the, the guidance and standards produced by the Australian Institute of Actuaries. So you might see a lot of information provided in your actuarial report. Not all of that is necessary for your purpose. All you need is that exempt income proportion, but there's a lot of information there that we do need to provide to ensure we meet the standards of our actuarial profession. So our certificates are provided under Section 295.390 of the Income Tax Assessment Act. And normally on the front page, you'll see in bold there the result you're after, the, the actual exempt income proportion. Obviously, that'll be in the PDF, but it is also fed back to Class BGL and Supermate if you are using a platform. You'll also see the details of the signing actuary. So if you have any questions, you can direct them back to the signing actuary or, or the team who produced your report. We also need to provide information about the fund data and financials that we've used to complete our calculation. This will include information such as the fund name, the trustees, the details of the assets and liabilities over the financial year. Often that's just in a total form, so we'll show the opening balances, the total pension payments, withdrawals, rollovers, other items that happened in the year. One thing we also need to show is the value of the retirement phase income streams in the financial year. In a curium certificate, we notice those are given as at 1 July of the financial year and also the value excluding segregated parent pension assets at that time. Because remember, the actuary's certificate relates only to assets which were not segregated pension assets in a financial year. And you pull that information out of the year software? So when you're coming via platform, all of the information that's needed for our calculation and certificate is pre-filled from what you've entered in class, which is why it's important to make sure everything is entered correctly prior to applying for your actuarial certificate. Of course, if you do have something that you've missed off or a name needs changing and so forth, we are happy at Acurium to produce amendments for you free of charge. Yes, and I was really surprised about that because I recently had to request an amended certificate. Okay. This, this, what you have in front of you, is actually the amended certificate. Right, okay. And I expected to have to pay the same fee again. And yep. I was really pleasantly surprised when I realised that the amendment is, is free. Yeah, no, absolutely. We understand people... People make mistakes or, you know, there's, there's things that can change out of the audit or, or mm. your client may have missed telling you something. So certainly we understand that that happens and, and we're happy to produce amendments free of charge. And it's just as easy as doing your first one. You just press the button in mm. your platform and it all pre-fills again for you. Absolutely. 
next page you might see is some detail which breaks down how we calculated the exempt income proportion. Now, I mentioned previously that it's a daily weighted average calculation, and that means the timing of the events makes a difference. And so on this page, you'll see the average value of the current pension liabilities, so the retirement phase accounts in the fund over the financial year, is divided by the average value of the total superannuation liabilities. So that's the average value of the retirement phase and the non-retirement phase accounts. Now, those numbers may not equate to anything you see in your accounts because they're an average. They're a daily weighted average of each of those interests over the financial year. So that's essentially the calculation that the actuary does to come up with those two numbers. And one divided by the other will give you your exempt income proportion. And that's what we'll feed back. That's what we'll, you will use to claim the fund's ECPI. We also provide on a Curium's actuarial certificates a breakdown of that total actuarial percentage. So for each member of the fund, we'll break down their exempt income proportion and non-exempt income proportion. Now, this isn't required by legislation, but where we've found clients find this useful is where they're attributing income to a member of the financial year because basically what that's showing is the proportion of the fund liabilities that were in retirement phase or non-retirement phase that related to each member. So if member one, I've got Alison in front of me here, had a account-based pension and an accumulation account, and Ian, member two, had an accumulation and a retirement phase account-based pension, then our certificate will show you what proportion of the fund liabilities on average were attributed to that account. So say it was 30% to Alison's ABP, 30% to Alison's retirement phase, non-retirement phase accumulation account, 30% to Ian's retirement phase account and 10% to Ian's accumulation account, well, that's what that's saying is that on average, 10% of the liabilities over the year related to Ian's accumulation account. And that might be a fair and reasonable basis to say, well, 10% of the fund's income over the year should be attributed to Ian's accumulation account. So there's, there's no right or wrong there, but we've had some clients in the past find that useful and that's something that we include on our actuarial certificate. The other thing we provide is the total exempt income proportion, but also the reverse of that, the total non-exempt income proportion. And as I mentioned before, that's something that's often used as one minus the exempt income proportion as the deductibility of expenses, general expenses for the fund in a financial year. And the um, total in comparison to the individual percentages confused me before because... The, the sum of all the of the members' ones will add up to 100 and the sum of the fund totals will add up to 100. Because it relates to the liabilities. That's why you add up... Yeah, well, if there's four apples in a basket and we each have two apples, but you have a red one and I have a red one and you have a blue one and I have a blue one, and blue means pension, then you have 50% pension and I have 50% pension because we've each got one blue and one red. And overall, the fund is 50% blue and 50% red. So yes, it, it's a reflective of the person's allocation out of the total fund. So all of the percentages add up to 100 for each member, for all the members. Yes, yeah, so the, the fund has 62% and each of the members is 31%. So when you look at exempt income, the fund has 62% of the total fund's income is exempt. Yes. So this fund, they had 1.6 million in pension each. So overall, 3.2 million of the fund was in pension. So that's saying that 3.2 million was 62% of the fund balance on average and 1.6 million is 31% ah, of the fund see. balance on average. 
to the rest and that's of the why fund. Those percentages. That's are why they're the same. Yeah. The next bit we might see on the actuarial certificate is a summation of how the fund would calculate exempt current pension income overall. And this is particularly important where there are deemed segregated periods. So we know that for 17, 18 years onwards, a fund will calculate exempt current pension income as the income earned on their segregated current pension assets. These are the assets that are excluded from the actuarial calculation. Plus the actuarial exempt income proportion you see in the certificate multiplied by the income on those assets which were not segregated. You sum all that up and that gets your total ECPI that will be reported on the annual return. Under our standards, we need to provide an adequacy statement of opinion and some detail about our methodology, so you'd also see that there. And then that would provide you the end of your actuarial certificate. If your fund did have any deemed segregation, you would see on the Curium's actuarial certificate an additional appendix, which would provide you with some further information and a chart highlighting the deemed periods in the year to help you explain to the trustees how the tax was calculated and also to help the auditor identify those deemed periods and ensure that ECPI has been claimed correctly in the annual return. I hope this gives you a little insight into actuarial certificates and how Acurium goes about calculating your exempt income calculation. If you do have any issues, of course, Part of Acurium service is that we provide online support, email and on the phone for our clients, as well as regular CPD-based webinars and technical articles. So if you have questions about your actuarial certificate, do just call your actuary and we'd be more than happy to, to answer your questions. Welcome back. I actually called Curium last week and expected a call center and uh, press number one for this and press two for this, but one ring and I spoke with the actuary. I got a very helpful answer to my question, so I really like that. In the next episode, episode 85, Melanie Dunn will talk about how to maximize ECPI, exempt current pension income. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for supporting us all. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.